How to Tell Stories to Children is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the science and methodology of storytelling. I am Silke Rose West. And I am Joseph Saracy. We are the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children. Our goal is to foster diverse storytelling by helping individuals like you awaken to the storyteller within. We appreciate your support. You can find our children's stories, exclusive tutorials, live Q&As, and more benefits on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash howtotellstoriestochildren or by visiting our website at howtotellstoriestochildren.com. Help us spread the love of storytelling by becoming a patron today. Most people, when they hear the word storytelling, think make-believe. They think about the story. In the next few minutes, I invite you to focus instead on the relationship that forms between speaker and listener during a story, in this case, parent and child. This is Storytelling 101 for Parents. My name is Joseph Saracy. I am a father, a teacher, and a storyteller. If you've ever thought about telling stories to your kids but didn't, this is for you. It's also for grandparents, teachers, and anyone interested in a lasting relationship with children. There's a lot of excellent science on the subject of storytelling today, and by the end of this recording, I will have shared quite a bit of it. I will also describe a key tool to help you begin telling stories with your children today, something we call the storytelling loop. Lastly, I will speak briefly about why storytelling, diverse storytelling, is uniquely useful today in the modern world. Let me tell you a little more about me before we begin. I am a freelance writer for Fatherly, an online publisher helping dads connect with their kids. In 2019, I published a book called A Father's Life, a collection of stories about my time with kids. I've also written for the Cosmos Journal, and in 2018, I initiated a project called The Great Dad Campaign to highlight all kinds of different dads around the country. I do this because I believe the relationship between parent and child is critical to the success of our species, and that mothers mostly have this figured out. Dads sometimes need more help. Most recently, I co-authored a book with Silka Rose West titled How to Tell Stories to Children, a new edition of which is due out from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in June of 2021. Honestly, I hate saying all this. I'm really just a guy, a regular dude. But I am a regular dude that knows some stuff about storytelling. I tell stories every day, whether at home or at school, and I'm widely respected for this talent. But I'm not a professional storyteller. This is key because my focus is on regular people like you and me sharing regular stories with regular children. Spectacular children. This is not about writing or telling the next blockbuster. That's a distraction and it's unnecessary. If you're like me, 
and you begin to see that storytelling is about the relationship between speaker and listener, in this case, parent and child, then you quickly realize that this is a tool for everyone, not just experts. Let's dive into that. A number of psychologists, neuroscientists, and evolutionary theorists have begun to paint a very interesting picture for us of storytelling's place in human development. Put briefly, storytelling isn't just about make-believe. It is a cognitive tool that helps people share information, retain attention, and build trust. There are many studies that demonstrate how people remember information better when it is told in a story. Numbers vary, but a modest figure is 600% more. That's a number worth paying attention to. But here's what's more interesting. Placing storytelling within the evolutionary framework of human development helps us see that storytelling is a social tool. Yes, it helps us remember information, but more importantly, it helps us get someone's attention and gain their trust. These are critical skills for social creatures like you and me. Because of our tendency to form national and international social structures, some scientists even label our species super social. Ants form amazing social groups too, but they don't communicate with ants on the other side of the planet. We do. That's what makes us super social. So, if we're super social, what are the tools we use to create that social structure? Storytelling turns out to be one of the most important, and we see it everywhere in our religions, nations, ideologies, and just the stories of the neighborhood, the music scene, at school, or in our families. In his book, The Storytelling Animal, Jonathan Gottschall writes that fiction will make you more empathic and better able to navigate life's dilemmas. Stories, he says, are like dress rehearsals for real life. He quotes Marco Iacoboni, a pioneering neuroscientist at UCLA, who studies mirror neurons. We have empathy for fictional characters, he says, because we literally experience the same feelings ourselves. Uri Hassan, another neuroscientist, this time at Princeton, gives an incredible TED Talk in which he describes a series of innovative experiments. What he demonstrates is mind-blowing. As a person listens to someone tell a story, the brain waves of the listener synchronize with those of the storyteller. Storytelling is not an evolutionary glitch, Gottschall concludes. Fiction, he says, is good for us. Let me put it another way. Storytelling is a human trait. It's like walking on two feet or grasping something in your hands. Not using storytelling is like choosing not to walk or use your hands. It goes that deep. It's something you were designed to do. In the modern world, we give our children lots of stories, often through books, movies, and video games. And that's fine. This is not a commentary on screen time. 
But the result is that those stories aren't building the social connection that storytelling was originally designed to do. Or at least we're not positioning it where it properly belongs, between parent and child. Now you might be beginning to see why I said earlier that storytelling isn't about telling the next blockbuster. That's a distraction. Storytelling belongs to everyone, particularly to you and your child. Best of all, it's free, and it comes hardwired with the package at birth. Still, even if we believe in the value of storytelling, and most of us do, many parents are nervous when it comes to telling stories. Me too. I'm nervous right now. <laughs> that, that's why I want to describe a method that helps. I call it the storytelling loop. I use it every time I tell a story, which is pretty much every day. And as you'll see, it leads to all sorts of benefits. It starts by identifying one or two real and concrete things in your child's environment. This could be a toy, a snack, a game, even an event. It can be a dryer sheet or a hole in the wall, anything, so long as your child will recognize it. Then you take this thing, this very real and recognizable thing, and tell a story about it. Two minutes is enough. When the story ends, your child will have a new perspective on this thing. In many cases, she will pick up the story for herself and find new expressions for play and creativity through that very real thing. This is the storytelling loop. If we threaded a needle and took it with us, we might think of it as a stitch between reality and imagination. A practiced storyteller has made many such stitches weaving together a dense fabric of reality and imagination, and helping to fill her child's world with all sorts of outlets for play and creative exploration on both sides, both reality and imagination. I use it for teaching, too, and it's a very effective tool for soothing upset children, resolving conflict, or deriving meaning from difficult life events. Let's give an example. A mother and her son are eating macaroni and cheese. At some point during the meal, the mother tells the boy that when she was a girl, she accidentally spilled a box of macaroni all over the floor. She tried to clean it up, but it was late and she didn't do it so well. The next morning, when she woke up, a friendly spider told her about how he went sliding down the macaroni tubes all night, jumping from one to the next and had so much fun. Uh-oh, she said. I have to clean it up or my dad will be upset. But she gave the spider one of the tubes to keep. He dragged it to the bathtub where he went sailing, then turned it into a submarine. It was a great adventure. I guarantee you that after this story, both mother and son will have a new relationship to the noodles on their plates. This is the storytelling loop. We have a reality, a concrete something. Then we tell a story about it. Afterward, we have a new relationship to that very real thing. This is pretty cool in and of itself, but what's even more interesting is the intimacy and trust that grows between parent and child through the shared experience of storytelling. This example is whimsical, which is where most parents will start. 
It's just fun. But in time, you can use this storytelling relationship to help make meaning of all sorts of experiences in life. Let me share two moments from just this past week. In one story, which was about vowels, one little girl was crying at the end of the story. Her classmates ogled her curiously, and one little boy finally said out loud, Why are you crying? It wasn't that scary. Now, admittedly, there had been a dragon, and one of the characters had been burned. When he healed, he sang a song in gratitude to his friend. I'm not crying because I'm scared, said the little girl. I'm crying because it was so sweet. She meant the friends in the story. My heart just burst open. That's the power of storytelling, and every one of us felt it in the room. It was palpable. Honestly, the story wasn't even all that good. But when you have the trust and intimacy we've created, I've known most of these kids for three years or more, then you can draw upon very simple stories and events to create moments that no one will ever forget. What's more, every one of these kids now has a fun and intimate connection to the vowels A, E, I, O, U. Here's another example. The very next day we were outside. Now, we live in New Mexico, and it's very wild and beautiful here. We were in a little canyon under a large juniper tree, and we had just finished lunch. This is normal for us, so the kids were bedding down in preparation for story time, like we always do. Honestly, most of the time my stories are wimpy. They're duds. But it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to tell hits. I'm just trying to pay attention to our relationship. What's happening for the kids? What's something they'll remember from the day? This story happened to grab the moment perfectly. A flock of blue jays had flown over us during lunch, which was loud and noticeable. I used that as a bridge into my story, which ended up being about two blue jays falling in love, building a nest, and the bobcat that roamed nearby looking for an easy meal. Earlier that day, one of the kids had made a little craft spider out of sticks and yarn, and I tied that into the story, telling how another kid at another time had made some such thing and left it behind. The Blue Jays had found it, thinking it was just twigs, and built it into their nest. The story ends with the bobcat peering dangerously over the unprotected nestlings while mom and dad are out looking for food when the spider, silent all this time, suddenly shouts, Boo! The kids laughed their faces off, watching that bobcat turn tail and run in their minds. Once again, the story was just fine. It wasn't exceptional in its own right. But it just happened to catch that moment weaving together our reality with our imaginations in a little canyon all to ourselves. I want you to have that experience with your own kids. These are precious moments the two of you will remember forever. Okay, so we've tackled some of the science, and I hope I've given you some insight into how to use the storytelling loop. Now, I'd like to share why storytelling is uniquely useful in our modern lives. Check this out. 
Last year, at the same World Economic Forum in Switzerland, where Greta Thunberg ignited a powerful social movement, Dr. Jane Goodall made an important speech. When asked how to speak effectively on the subject of climate change with political and business leaders, she said, what you have to do is get into the heart. And how do you get into the heart? With stories. Isn't that great? I'm not trying to steer this into a conversation around climate change. I respect everyone's views. All I want to do is point out how Goodall's statement reveals something of crucial importance about the role of storytelling in all of our lives. Stories attract us. They warm us up so that we're more likely to listen. Remember what we said at the beginning? We remember 600% more information when it's told within a story. Why? It has to do with how we give our attention. If someone is shouting facts in our face, we tend to close the doors of our mind. But when the same information is couched in a sympathetic and engaging story, we listen. We focus. This turns out to have major consequences, both at home and on the global stage. Storytelling and the relationship of trust that it builds is useful to people of every creed, color, or politic. It builds empathy, mutual understanding, and it can be shaped to express any values you want. Stories are a principal part of every world religion and nationality. It's behind every major holiday and social institution we have. Why? Because it's about forming relationships and passing on cultural values. And what's the foundation of all relationships? Parent and child. Every parent, conservative, liberal, rich, poor, black, white, every parent can use storytelling to create healthy relationships with their kids at an early age. Let's go back to Jane Goodall. Here's the full quote. So often, she said, I see activists and they come face to face with a CEO and they immediately become very aggressive. So the person that they're attacking is immediately defensive. It's no good when you meet somebody like that. What you have to do is get into the heart. And how do you get into the heart? With stories. I want to live in a world where activists and CEOs have this skill. I want everyone to have it. It's a diplomatic skill. It's compassionate. No matter where we stand on the issue of climate change or anything else, it's clear to many of us that our children are going to face critical challenges of some sort in the future. Our children will do that best if they are able to face those challenges and each other with sympathy. Storytelling builds empathy, is arguably the most effective tool we have for sharing information, and invites the listener into a relationship of trust, and it's absolutely free. So, now we've tackled our three main objectives. One, a little bit on the science of storytelling. Two, a simple method to help you get started. Something we call the storytelling loop. And three, why storytelling is relevant on the global stage. I'd like to leave you with one last example, a very simple one, that gives a little insight into all three of these goals. It's about a little boy. 
this little boy frequently leaves his jacket behind, whether at school, in the park, at a friend's house, and on and on. It's easy to get frustrated with him. His mother does her best, but she can't help but nag him. He sheepishly promises to do better, but he never does, and it begins to be a sore point between a parent and child. One day, after the boy once again left his jacket at a friend's house, mom drops the tension and tells a story. It's about a bear who went swimming and unzipped his fur coat. He left it on the shore, then forgot, and was embarrassed when he got home all naked. Winter came and he had to go on a great search, only to find that a few squirrels and a rabbit had made a tent out of it. The boy laughed with his mother as they imagined the characters in the story. As they listened, the story gently but effectively sent home the message, and it did so without singling the child out for criticism and putting him on the defensive. The jacket still got left behind. But now Mom had a literary device that diffused the tension. Hey, don't be a naked bear! Became a funny, kind way to remind the boy to get his jacket. Stories like this bring parent and child together, rather than dividing them into problem and criticizer. This is how storytelling can be harnessed to bring you and your child together. That is its ultimate function. It is something your ancestors worked out over thousands of years, and it's available right now at the tip of your tongue. And you don't need to know any of the science. You do not need to spend even one cent. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. Storytelling belongs to everyone. Thank you for listening to How to Tell Stories to Children, a bi-weekly podcast exploring the science and methodology of storytelling from the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children, an acclaimed new book empowering parents across the world. A new edition is due out in over 50 countries from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in June of 2021. You can find children's stories from Silka Rose West and Joseph Ceresi on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash howtotellstoriestochildren, as well as tutorials, live Q&As, Patreon perks, and more. Or visit our website at howtotellstoriestochildren.com. A Story Village is a collection of children's stories by Silka Rose West ages three to seven. Joseph Saracy's children's stories, The Storytelling Loop, is for children ages five to ten. Help us spread the love of storytelling by becoming a patron today. <laughs>